Hey, survivors. You are listening to the Survival Brothers Podcast. We're two brothers trying to help each other prepare for an uncertain future. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Survival Brothers Podcast. My name is Ethan, and with me is my brother Blair. How are you doing, Blair? Actually, dude, I'm kind of bummed, honestly. What's up? They um, canceled the release of Dune, and it's been postponed till next October. Oh, man. When was it supposed to come out? Um, Like December 16th, I think. Yeah, that does suck. Yeah, all the uh, I think all the Regal theaters were going to close because the James Bond movie got pushed back, and then all the Marvel Disney movies, I think, got pushed back. That is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I would have been... I know it's probably got all these great visuals and stuff that would have been great to see in theaters, but I would have even been happy just to see it like at home, like stream it or something. Yeah. If they offered like a a rental or something or a streaming option. Yeah. I know they did that with a few movies a while back. Yeah. It's an interesting. I'm not even really that much of a movie guy. Like I don't go see every movie, but I was really looking forward to Dune. Yeah. There's, I like to see a lot of movies. I, um, but yeah, I, I'm disappointed with all the closures and all the. Uh, I'm a uh, or I was a Regal. Uh, they had a monthly membership. I forgot what it was called, but you've just paid 18 bucks a month and you could see as many movies as you want, and you got a discount wow. on like popcorn and stuff. Wow. But uh, I canceled that for now. Well, partly I think they would have stopped charging me anyway because they're closing all their theaters for uh, for the time being, but. Uh, also where I'm moving in, Utah doesn't have a regal that close. So I went ahead and just canceled it. Were you ever a member of that, like a uh, startup thing? It was like yep. movie, movie pass. where you could see like any movie for like 10 yep. bucks a month. Yes. I took advantage of their losing money strategy <laughs> and eventually they went out of business. I think their plan was to collect data or something and sell the data. And they thought that, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but it didn't work. No, that was a terrible business plan. But yeah, they, they, no, what uh, they needed to do is if they decided to to team up with a uh, movie theater chain, um, because I think the movie theater chains were probably making way more money. Because at least for me, I would go in and have a free movie basically as soon as I saw the first one. My second movie would basically be free, uh, and then I would buy more concessions because. I didn't have to pay for the movie ticket. So I probably still ended up paying the same amount in general, but the movie theaters were making all that extra money because movie pass was paying them for the ticket. And then I was paying them for concessions. So, uh, yeah. I hate paying for concessions. I always try and smuggle in like something. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy candy for sure, but I buy popcorn at uh, the theater every once in a while. Popcorn is good. Movie popcorn is great. Yeah. It's very good. So uh, last week we talked about, uh, at one point we were talking about short distance or uh, what am I saying here? Shorter distance uh, self-defense without a firearm. Yeah. Because someone asked about throwers. Yeah, yeah. So what I wanted to ask, because I was thinking about it and we didn't bring up pepper spray. So uh, I think we concluded that you would prefer a collapsible baton in that situation. Do I remember right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I said. Would you uh, still would you consider that over pepper spray? 
as far as like a short term self or short length. I don't know if I'm saying this right. A uh, short distance self defense weapon if if you couldn't have a gun. Pepper spray would be a pretty good option. Um, there's a couple things you need to know about pepper spray, though. Um, well, for one thing, me personally, I, I hate pepper spray. I've been pepper sprayed three times, and I it was terrible. And I wouldn't want to inflict that kind of pain on someone. Um, Even if they're breaking into your house and trying to put yeah, your... Uh, right now. But you do need to be careful not to to get some of like some backblast in your face. Cause it can affect you as well. I've been in yeah. um, close quarters where it was used in like the prison and gotten, you get contaminated yourself just from being um, in the confined area. So probably not for home defense. Um, and then the other thing that you have to realize is some people aren't really that affected by it. They can fight through it. Like every, every police officer, has to get sprayed as part of their training and then they have to go after they get sprayed, they have to go like put someone in handcuffs. Um, so it doesn't automatically protect you. You know, you, people can fight through it. So you have to be ready to, uh, follow up with some type of hand to hand defense or maybe a secondary weapon. If you decide to spray someone who's trying to hurt you. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. We put some pepper spray in our vehicles uh, because after we saw the, the roads being blocked on the news and stuff like that, we just figure we figured we would uh, just have it just in case we were ever in a situation that uh, someone was trying to attack us in our vehicle. Um, but uh, yeah, I could definitely see there's more to it than just spray and then you're, you're done. That's a good idea. Keep it in your vehicle. But the one thing I'm paranoid about is if it gets too hot. I didn't see. I checked the the label. I didn't see anything like uh, don't let it get above a certain degree because I imagine if it's under pressure and it's in a hot car, it could. That would be pretty bad for it to burst in your car. I leave my pepper spray in my police car all the time. It's never bursted or anything. It's good to know. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's okay. All right. Well, anything else fun going on or not fun? Um, no, it's been, it's been pretty boring, I guess. Yeah. We're just packing. We're got boxes all over and we're, uh, that's, uh, the worst part about moving, but it's all going to be worth it. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, our topic today, I've got a question for you on at any given time, if you're out and about not, uh, not working, uh, and in case you don't know it, if you're listening, Blair is a police officer. If you're not uh, working, how many knives would you say you had on you at uh, any given time? Um, I'm a little weird because I like knives, but for me, it's usually about three, which is three. probably more That's, than most people. Yeah, if I had, were putting like an over-under on it, I probably would have put uh, like two and a half. Okay. So I probably would have gone the over on that, you know, if if Vegas was allowing me to bet on that. And I don't think it's necessary to, to carry three knives on you. I just, I like knives and it doesn't hurt. So I do it. Yeah. They're, uh, they're pretty cool, but that's what we're talking about today is kind of a backup knife as far as your backup to your gun. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, 
people in the gun community who who carry a gun can get a little bit fixated on the gun and they might think you know every every problem uh, can be solved by this gun like that uh I don't know. Have you seen the meme where the guy's got like a, a really crappy, like high point pistol or whatever. And then the meme says, this is my, this is my Glock nine millimeter. This is my problem solver. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> it probably uh, doesn't really work on a, a podcast format, but uh, it's a fun. Well, no, now I'm going to look it up. Okay. No, no. He says he says this is my Glock forty. This is my problem solver. And he's like a, a gangster or something. And it's like a like a really crappy like high point or something. Anyway, that was a, a digression. But point being, a lot of people who carry guns they think that that's the only thing that they need to protect themselves from someone who's trying to hurt them. And uh, I think there are a lot of situations where you might need, you know, something for backup. Yeah, absolutely. Especially there's what's what's called the 21 foot rule. Yeah. Um, the 21 foot rule is basically the idea that if someone has a knife already in their hand and they're within 21 feet, they can get to you and hurt you before you can get your gut out. And I don't so, Sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I don't think that that's necessarily an argument for having a backup knife. I think that's more an argument for knowing that you need to learn how to move laterally. You might need to learn how to um, use your hands and feet to to um, make some space so that you can draw your weapon. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. You with a knife, you're drawing a knife, another knife is not going to be necessarily faster than drawing your pistol. Well, you, it might be faster to draw it because with your pistol, obviously you need to draw it and shoot it. Um, but yeah, just having the knife up and ready, um, is, I'm sure faster than drawing and shooting a gun. Uh, but yeah, we were watching Mythbusters and it's just something my daughter and I've been watching a lot lately, but yeah, they, they test this myth and they're testing with like a paintball gun, but yeah, they didn't try, once you say that about moving laterally or creating space, they didn't try to do that at all. He just, he's just standing there seeing if the, the other guy can hit him with a, like a rubber blade before he can shoot him with a paintball. Yeah. So, um, and obviously these guys aren't uh, premier athletes by any means. So there's margin for error in every situation, but um, yeah, it's definitely something to think about that you need to be ready for, you know, even if you have a gun, you can't just assume you're going to be safe in every situation. Yeah, you need to know how to use open hand skills or empty hand skills, um, moving laterally, maybe um, finding cover, getting something in between you and the person, like a car or something else. There's yeah. different things you need to think about in that situation, for sure. Yeah, well, and there's other attack situations that... You know, someone could be attacking you from behind or unexpected, you know, close quarters unexpectedly, um, where you definitely don't have time to get your gun out uh, if they take you to the ground or, you know, something like that. Yeah, it seems like ever since the UFC has gotten really popular, a lot of people think um, that they're going to, like, take you to the ground. Um, 
and you know if they're bigger and stronger than you that's probably a, a good strategy for them so you need to be able to defend against that yeah so if you have an option for a knife that you can pull out quickly um and defend yourself in some of those other situations and uh, i think we both think it's something important to have on you at all times and i you know i follow the there's a facebook group it's like an edc everyday carry facebook group and everyone's always showing pictures of their edc and so most preppers uh almost all of them have a nice knife in the picture um so i think most preppers are on board with knives so um it's not like we're breaking new ground here but uh you know there's definitely some options that we want to discuss and what uh, you Blair, what you might think is uh, better in most situations. Um, but I'll start. I have, so I carry just a, I do carry a folding knife, but it's an assisted open folding knife. Um, and uh, I know that you would prefer a fixed blade. So what convinced me why I should switch to a fixed blade? And then I'll have questions on how I should carry that with my work uniform sure yeah i think most people who carry a knife probably carry a folder uh, like you and from a lot of the people that i've talked to they think okay yeah this will be my backup you know if i if i can't get to my gun or something or if they if they do think about it at all which i don't think most do i think most people just think of it as like a, a utility tool and so most people that I've seen carry it in their right front pocket. So basically they have access to their pistol with their right hand and then access to their knife with the right hand. And I think that's um, kind of missing the boat. You should, if you're going to have, if you're going to be accessing your pistol with your right hand, you should probably have uh, a knife on your the left side of your body so you can access it with the other hand if you get uh, tied up by someone that makes sense probably not something probably not something everybody thinks about but yeah if someone grabs you by the right arm or um you know pins you down on your right side or you know something uh, all kinds of situations that's a good thought yeah yeah a lot of people will try and you know grab your arms or or tie up tie you up in what's called the clinch, which is like trying to wrap up like your neck or your head and one of your arms, uh, trying to like take you to the ground or, or grab your gun or something like that. Um, and then there's another thing that people don't realize. I think if they haven't done any kind of force on force training, um, but when you're under stress like that, you lose dexterity in your fingers. Uh, you lose what's called fine motor skills because your body is trying to focus on gross motor skills that will save your life. So um, big movements like punching, kicking, um, grabbing, stuff like that, your, your body is, is primed to do that when you're under that kind of stress. But manipulating your fingers, stuff like opening a knife or, um, I don't know, zipping something up, you know, grabbing something small, your, your body's just not uh, going to be able to do that under that kind of stress. Yeah. When, oh. when you have adrenaline pumping, um, doesn't a lot of your blood flow to like your, 
your core organs and yeah, or is that... my, my large muscle groups and, and organs. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of partly why your fingers aren't going to work as finely. Yeah. And there's, there's some chemicals reactions too. I learned about this and I, I don't remember the, all the chemical names and stuff, but chemicals that are released, um, that give you, you know, more strength and, and, uh, more, I don't know, maybe aggressiveness, but, um, you get in that fight, fight or fight, fight or flight mode. And your body is not thinking about doing de- dexterous tasks. It's thinking about running or, or punching something like that. So because of that opening a knife is a folding knife is not going to be quite as easy as you might think. Do you think, I mean, obviously practicing often would help a little bit um, with muscle memory to a point, but uh, overall it's still, you're still probably going to be a half second slower than if you're just practicing, you think? Yeah, if you don't drop the knife completely trying to open it, um, I I think it's kind of a fantasy that you're going to open a folding knife in the middle of a fight. Um, maybe, you know, one in a hundred people could do it, but I, it's not something I would rely on. That reminds me, do you still have that huge folding knife? It's like, like a sword, basically. It was like a foot, the blade was like a foot long. The was it cold steel? Long. It was a cold steel. Um, I can't remember the name of the blade, but yes, I have it. Yeah, it's got a six-inch blade. You do still have it? I do, yeah. It's only six inches? Are you sure? The blade itself is six inches, yeah. The knife overall is like 13 or 14 inches. So was that the one? So on the on the blade, it had like an opener where when you pulled it out, like if your waistband or something, it would open Yeah, it had like as little- you pulled it up, pulled it out? Yeah, so it has a little catch um, so that when you pull out the blade, um, it opens. There's a, a knife maker named Ernest Emerson in the 90s who invented this this thing called the wave. And the basic yeah. idea is you pull it out of your pocket and you kind of pull the blade rearward and it forces that blade open on as it catches on the lip of your pocket. Yeah, yeah that thing was awesome. That would be a lot better than, than something you have to open with your thumb or your fingers, but I still wouldn't rely on it. Um, if you're tied up, if you're pushed against a wall, um, there's still no guarantee in my opinion that, that, uh, that blade is going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I just, uh, as you're talking about it, I remembered that and I thought it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool knife. Pretty cool uh, thought. There's one exception to that. If you absolutely cannot carry a fixed blade, um, there's one made by Emerson uh, called, it's a karambit. And the idea is it's got a ring on the end of the blade or on the end of the handle. So you can stick your finger in that ring and then pull it out into a reverse grip. So instead of pulling it backward, you're pulling it forward, catching that wave on the hook on your pocket. And then, um, you've got the knife kind of sticking out the bottom of your hand, like ice pick grip. Okay. I think that would be a lot more likely to, to open in a clinch or in a, a fight than, than the other way. Okay. Um, so my situation is, well, my 
uniform basically i i have to have my shirt tucked in at work so i've that's why i haven't gone to a fixed blade yet um so i need to what is an option because i don't want a knife sticking out of my pocket that's easily viewed um i don't want to i just don't want that perception i guess um so is there a sheath or a fixed blade knife that i can carry or um, obviously a neck knife wouldn't work with a tucked in shirt. Um, you know, I'm wearing shorts in the summer, so it's like, not like a, a boot knife or something like that would be, make any sense. What, uh, what would you recommend me? How, how would I carry a fixed blade in my situation? That's a tough, tough question. Um, for someone who has a, you know, a tucked in shirt. Um, so could you have something clipped in your pocket with just like a kind of a ring sticking out. Yeah. I think if it's, uh, I mean, if it's, um, not obviously a knife or not, obviously, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'd be able to. Yeah. I think for people who know what it is, I think they might, I think it's a knife. Um, but if you're, I don't know, it depends on how, how worried you are about it. I mean, you could, um, you could even stick it in your waistband with your shirt kind of un- not, not untucked, but kind of loosened. So it's kind of got a little bit of a, a loose material hanging over. Yeah. Um, that might be one way to do it. Like, uh, if you have a little, I'll, I'll tell you one of the, one of the recommendations I'm going to make, I think might work for you. You'd have to, you'd have to try and, you'd have to kind of try and play with it to see if it works, but um, yeah, when you move here, I'll, I'll show it to you and, and it's on my recommended list that I'm going to talk about in this podcast. Cool. So why, what are the benefits of a fixed blade in general? I, I guess we didn't quite get to that. Um, outside of the disadvantages of a folding knife, what are the benefits of the fixed blade? The main benefit for me is that you don't have to open it. So you just grab it, pull it out. I mean, all you have to do, you can use those gross motor skills to just grab onto it and, um, and just yank it out and then it's ready to go. Um, so I think you're a lot, a lot more likely to be able to, to defend yourself with that. Like say someone has you pinned on the ground and you know, your right hand is pinned. You can't get to your gun. You, you know, you're trying to make some space cause you're, you're practicing jujitsu like you should. And, uh, you can maybe get to your, your knife with your left hand. Um, some basic principles of this are number one, you're going to want to try and have it forward of your hips. So anything that you're using as a defensive tool, if you're keeping it behind um, your hips, like a lot of people will carry a gun kind of behind their hip, it's going to be a lot harder to access. You've got to stick your elbow out, you know, when you, when you reach for it. Um, so I think in a lot of, situations where while you're where you're grappling with someone you're just not going to be able to get that that tool out so i would recommend mostly uh, most of all that you try and and put it forward of your hips in the waistband and if not the waistband maybe like a the front pocket would work yeah i've i've been thinking because i actually just carry mine yeah i carry it in my pocket uh my folding knife, but I was thinking of if maybe if I got like a thicker belt, 
I could just stick it in the waistband and the belt would be, uh, or maybe if the clip was shorter, the belt could cover up a lot of the knife. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's at least for my folder that might, that would be a better option. I think. Yeah, I think that would work pretty well. Um, you mentioned neck knives. I think there's a lot of people that carry a, neck, a knife around their neck and think that they're going to grab that. I think that would also be really hard to grab in a fight or a grappling situation. Um, oh, yeah. Just trying to reach under all that fabric. Um, and then if your knife's kind of swinging around, it might not be right where you think it is. Um, so I I probably wouldn't recommend a neck knife either as a, a knife for backup. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially you could get your, you know, if you're grappling with someone and you try to put your hand up your shirt and it gets stuck in there or, you know, that then you don't have a hand or a knife. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Someone could try and take advantage of that and pin your arm. So I think the biggest reason why more people don't carry fixed blades is most knife companies just don't have very good sheaths for their fixed blades. Um, like they don't have a sheath that really grabs onto clothing. So when you, you know, tuck it into your waistband or your, your pocket, um, it's just not, um, when you pull the knife out, you need to have that sheath secure against your clothing so that the knife comes out, but the sheath doesn't, right? Uh, the knife isn't going to be, very useful if the sheath's still on it when you pull it out. Right. So the sheath is, is kind of the hardest thing for, for knife companies to do right. For some reason they can't, can't really get it right, but there are a few. So I, I'll make some recommendations. Um, but even if, if you can modify a sheath somehow, there are a lot of ways if you're creative and you have a little bit of imagination, you can try and rig it up. Like for instance, I used to carry a knife tucked in my waistband and I, what I did was I used a length of cord and tied it onto my belt loop or my belt and then tied the other end to the, the sheath so that when I pulled the knife out, um, I could just pull it against that cord and the knife would stay attached to the, or the sheath would stay attached to the cord. So that's kind of one way of doing it. Um, you could, okay, so sorry. So on that real quick, so like that's if you grab the knife and the sheath comes with it, uh, there would just be a short or cord attached to the sheath so that you, as you kept pulling, the sheath would eventually stay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you could do something similar, like in the pocket, um, you could sew like a little tab or a loop to the bottom of your pocket and do kind of the same thing. And that way you could just reach in your pocket and grab your knife. And uh, the sheath would, would stay attached to your pocket. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's other things you could do. There's there's things that people make that kind of help you out. There's a there's something called a pocket shield, and it's like a plastic um, piece that is wide enough that it's not going to come out of your pocket, and you attach your knife to that. So you stick that down in your pocket. That's hard to describe on a podcast, but it's uh, I think it's made by Raven Concealment. I think. If I, maybe I'll look that up. Um, but yeah, it's called the pocket shield. Um, you could also, you know, just find a way to 
to attach the sheath to something in your pocket that's not going to come out. I mean, just use your use your imagination and try a few different things. Um, but I think it's going to work best with a smaller knife. So all my recommendations are blades, knives that have a blade of three inches or less. Okay. Is that what you, uh, you know, if all things were equal and you did have a second to choose, uh, what knife would you be pulling right now in, in most situations? It would be a small fixed blade. Yeah. Um, my personal knife that I've been carrying, it, it kind of changes cause I'm like a knife, you know, just kind of a knife, <laughs> knife hoarder. Yeah. So I'll change it. So I don't, I can't necessarily say this one is my go-to. Um, but the, the last, um, recommendation that I have is probably the closest to what I usually carry. Okay. And, uh, I'll just, I'll just save that one for last. Sounds good. So what, uh, what else do you want to go over before you start making recommendations? Do you want to, uh, are there pros and cons to knife length? Um, yeah. Uh, the longer the knife, just the harder it is going to be to conceal. And then the way I see it in a, in a close grappling situation, you don't need a really huge knife. You just need something that's going to get the person off you. You know, you can, you can stab them several times. You can make it, make them feel it. Um, and it, it really doesn't require a large blade. I think even something like a two inches would do the trick. Yeah. You think about that and how far that's going into somebody, obviously you're, this is all self-defense. Um, but yeah, it's a, that should do. Yeah. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't need to be big. It's, it's need, it needs to be able to be accessed quickly. And, um, so I, I just looked that up the pocket shield. If anyone's interested, it's, it is made by Raven concealment and it's just like a wide piece of plastic with all these holes drilled in it. Um, you attach your knife. This might work for you too. So you attach your knife to the pocket shield and stick that down in your pocket. And, um, it kind of hides the outline of your knife. And then it also makes it so that the pocket shield, you would have to kind of like work it out of your pocket. It's not, it's big enough that it's, um, it's not going to just come out of your pocket with the knife. Okay. And when you come, when you move here, I'll, I'll show you that too. Okay. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll take a look, uh, or I'll Google it too, just to kind of see what it looks like. And for everyone listening at home, yeah, if you're not sure, I think I get the, the picture though. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I haven't thought about. Yeah. So let's, uh, Let's move on to the uh, recommendations. Um, I've got one that's pretty inexpensive, and then the rest of them are all like $100 and up. Um, I just want to say, if that's a lot for you, I understand financial situations being what they are. But keep in mind, this is something that's probably going to last you the rest of your life. It's not something that's going to wear out. It's not something that's going to become obsolete, like you know, a pair of jeans or, or shoes that wear out. And um, something that could possibly save your life. So think about that before you just become shocked by the price. Yeah. Well, and for, you know, especially, you know, you people probably know their situation and their, um, you know, their individual situations better than most. But like, yeah, I, I know there are certain areas that I 
work currently and that I will work in Utah that are not the, the best areas. Um, you know, so if you know you're in bad parts of town or, um, you know, just more dangerous situations, you know, you should be more ready for those types of situations to happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And think about just a short, I guess, digression. I just thought of this, but think about the legal aspect of it too. Um, you need to be able to explain why you used potentially deadly force against someone. Um, you know, if someone's trying to just fight you, you know, maybe that's not the time to, to pull out a knife or a gun. Um, but if you can explain, you think someone said they were going to kill you, they were trying to take you to the ground, which is, you know, where you could be, your head could be smashed against the cement or someone could just, you know, punch you until you're knocked out and then they can kill you. So you need to be able to, to, uh, to defend that, your actions. And I think having a knife, you're just telling them to get off you and you're, you're trying to get them off you. I think, I think that looks a little bit better under the law. Yeah. All right. So my first recommendation is a, a punch dagger by cold steel called the urban edge. Do you know what a punch dagger is or a push dagger? Um, is that like where you've got a finger in the, in like a hole of the, the handle? Um, the one I'm thinking of is kind of shaped like a T. So like you're grabbing okay. like the top of the T and then the, the knife is protruding from between your fingers. Okay. Yeah. And this is really intuitive to use. It doesn't really take a lot of training. You grab it, pull it out and you just punch like you, like you would punch. Um, except you've got a knife sticking out. So it makes your punches a lot more effective. I would say so. And this knife is about $24, $25. Uh, it's got a two and a half inch blade sharpened on both sides. So that might not be legal in your, in your jurisdiction. Check, check on that. But, um, there are other punch daggers that are available that don't, that aren't sharpened on both sides. So I, you can look those up. Um, but yeah, this, it, it doesn't have one thing that is kind of a problem with this is it doesn't have a, a clip, a metal clip or anything on the sheath that will grab onto your clothing. So for this one, if you're going to tuck this down in your waistband, I would definitely, you know, tie it off with like a piece of cord or something, or if you can buy a, a metal clip for it, there's a company called Discreet Carry Clips, and they have a wide variety of metal clips that you can screw onto your knife sheath and um, help you to, to conceal that knife. Nice. But yeah, this one's the, the cool thing about a punch dagger is it's so easy to conceal if you have an untucked shirt, right? Um, it doesn't stick out, it doesn't have a really large signature and it's super easy to grab onto, you know, without that whole gross motor thing. And so it's, you'll see a lot of cops will carry them on their, on their duty vest. And just cause it's so easy to use and so easy to grab. Yeah. I think just thinking real quick, kind of going through things in my head. Um, it's, if you, especially if you're carrying a knife on your left side, like you recommended earlier, that's not something that I've um, practiced a lot with my left hand. 
just holding a knife and you know using a knife. So that's another thing that you should uh, practice with, um, just like dry firing a gun. Practice holding it with your left hand and getting more comfortable uh, using your left hand to, to have a knife or your non-dominant hand or uh, whichever hand you'd be using if you had a gun on the other side. Yeah, and that kind of also brings up training knives. The, the next two knives that I'm going to recommend have trainers that look exactly like the knife um, that you can get, but they're dull. So you can actually train with them and practice with maybe a partner and not you know cut each other. Yeah, we've done that before. Yeah, we've done that with rubber knives. That was, that was some good training. Um, so the second one is, is made by a company called Benchmade. And it's called the SOCP Dagger. It's uh, like Sierra, Oscar, Charlie, Papa Dagger. And um, this is another one that's popular with cops. And it's just a really slim dagger that has a ring on the end of the handle. So if you can find that ring with your finger, you know, I would. If, if, I, if I'm practicing with this, I'm going to practice kind of just like slapping the top of the knife and kind of dragging your finger across it. And then once you've got your finger in that hole, you can yank it up and you've got a dagger sticking out the bottom of your hand. Um, so this one's not going to be quite as intuitive to use as a punch dagger because instead of like punching forward, you have to kind of, you know, stab like in an overhand motion or, um, you know, maybe the hand is between your body and the other person's body and you're kind of, you know, pushing it forward with the backside of your hand. Um, but it's the cool thing about this is it's, it has the whole package already with it. It's got a metal clip, um, and you can stick it like in your front pocket. You can stick it in your waistband. You could, you know, put it in a boot. You could, um, stick it in like your cargo pocket, like underneath the the cargo pocket flap, something like that. Um, so it's, it's just, it's about a hundred dollars and it comes with, everything you need. You don't need to modify it at all. So it's a pretty good option. So with that ring, can you like look cool and spin it around on your finger when you're not fighting? Yeah. Just, you know, do the whole doc holiday thing. Yeah. That's a, that makes me lean that way so far. Okay. Looking cool. Got to do it. Hopefully my, my sarcasm or my dry sense of humor, I guess comes through. (laughs) It does. Yeah. The third option is made by a company called Shiv Works, and it's called the Clinch Pick. Um, this knife is really, uh, really unique. It's made specifically for being in a clinch, right? It's called the Clinch Pick. Um, instead of being sharpened on the forward edge, this knife is sharpened on the back edge so that if someone is trying to like grab your wrist or something to try and like control it, all you have to really do is pull back using your back muscles and that reverse edge is going to cut their arm. Um, so it's, it's a pretty nasty little knife. It's again, it's really small. It's got like a two inch blade overall. It's like five inches. And the way this knife is meant to be carried is that it's meant to be carried on your belt at kind of a diagonal angle, right? Kind of, uh, in front, like, like let's say around if your body is a clock and 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock is your belt buckle. It's kind of made to be carried at like 11 or 10. Um, 
kind of underneath your belt, but the handle's sticking downward. So you can grab it with either hand. You can grab it left or right hand. And um, yeah, it, it just, it works really well. Really effective. Cool. And that knife is on the ShivWorks website. It's $125. And you can also pick up a trainer for a little bit less than that. And then uh, the last one, most expensive, uh, this one is made by a company called Milmac Blades, um, M-I-L-M-A-K, and it's called the CCW. This one would need to be worn like in your waistband underneath a tuck shirt. It's uh, It's got a three-inch blade, about seven inches overall, uh, $220. But again, this this would be the knife to get if you also wanted a knife for like, you know, utility tasks. You wanted also like, you know, cut up your apple or something. Um, the other knives I talked about, it wouldn't really be good for utility at all, but the Milmac CCW would be good for both utility and as a backup. Cool. And so is that the one that you carry or that you right now is your go-to? Yeah. Yeah. Out of all these, that would be my go-to. Um, the knife I'm carrying today is, is kind of similar, not exactly, but similar size, similar way to carry it. I carry it forward of my hips tucked in the waistband underneath a, an untucked shirt. So nice. So, um, I was thinking real quick is the, um, like on a, a folding knife is the, the, uh, the weakness in the hinge. Is that part of the reason you like a fixed blade as well? Or is that, um, not really a factor. Um, it depends on, I guess, what you're using the knife for. Most most high quality knives from really good manufacturers have really good locks on them. So if you're not like, you know, chopping or something like that, um, the lock shouldn't fail. But a lot of the liner lock knives, um, they can fail if you're if you're like twisting somehow. So if you're like in a fight, you're trying to stab someone and the knife gets starts twisting. I've seen those locks come undone from like those twisting forces. So that is, that can be a a concern, but most, most locks are pretty, pretty solid. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That was back uh, off topic, but no, that's a good question. Yeah. I remember just watching some of those cold steel videos where they're testing the locks on their, their folding knives. And um, I would assume they would be showing that off how strong they were because some weren't strong. So I think, I don't know. Nowadays, every, every lock by a reputable manufacturer is going to be strong enough to, to not break. I mean, you're not going to be hanging on your knife and doing pull-ups or anything. I mean, right. For, for 99.9% of the tasks that you're going to use it for, most locks are strong enough. Okay. Makes sense. Um, well, I, uh, I'm going to write a more extensive list of my recommended knives. If you want to peruse that, check out our Patreon. It's uh, survivalbrothers.com forward slash... No, I do that every time, don't I? Patreon.com. Uh forward slash survival brothers podcast 
Uh, you... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll I'll put a longer list on there if you if you want to um, check out my other recommendations. Yeah, our Patreon is three bucks a month. Uh, if you want to support the podcast and get a few extra uh, nuggets of information and some other uh, cool stuff that uh, mostly is put on by Blair because uh, he's a little more of the expert here. But uh, yeah, if you want to support the podcast, we really appreciated that. Uh, or you could uh, tell your friends. That also is a, another way to support us that we appreciate. And if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, our Twitter is at servebrospod. And our Instagram is at Survival Brothers Podcast. Uh, or if you have questions, uh, you can DM us there or you can send us an email at survivalbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. And we would appreciate hearing from you. Yeah. Yeah, we do get questions every now and then and comments, which we're always happy to reply to. Absolutely. Do you have a uh, – I guess you've kind of had four prepper pod- products of the week already. Do you have a bonus for that segment? No, I think we'll we'll ha- we'll be back with a prepper product of the week next week. We we had some knives that we talked about this week, so I think that's sufficient. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, however, have a liberty quote. All right, just give me one second. This one is also from Dune, <laughs> so um, I think I used like the first part of this quote. Um, on another podcast, but there's a longer version that I just hadn't uh, remembered to write down. Um, But here it is. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past me, I will turn to see fear's path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain kind of a mindset uh, mindset thing to uh, definitely a big part of prepping and surviving. Yeah. I think if you keep these kind of things in mind and, and really take them to heart, they can make a big difference. Well, we really appreciate everybody listening and we will talk to you next week. Take nothing for granted. <laughs>